14 minutes past eight. The US has ordered countries to stop purchasing oil from Iran starting in November as part of efforts to reduce Iranian oil sales to zero. As an American ally, we here in South Korea are in the uncomfortable position of being the biggest buyer of Iranian oil after China and India. So for more analysis, let's bring in John Kilduff, again, capital partner based in New York. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on. And the U.S. has accused the organization of the petroleum exporting countries, or OPEC, of driving fuel prices higher and crude oil prices have recently hit their highest level since late 2014. Can you tell us a bit more about recent market trends? Well, over the course of the past 18 months or so now, OPEC has embarked on a strategy to reduce the global oil supply glut that had built up. There was a purposeful withholding of oil supplies from the market, uh, mostly by Saudi Arabia and a few other countries, uh, but most notably pr- big-time production problems in Venezuela also contributed to a real decline in those global inventories. And now we find ourselves in a, in a tight market, uh, just as the situation in Venezuela worsens and other outages such as in Libya and Canada uh, affect and impact the market and uh, Libya as well to, uh, to drive down these uh, inventories even more. So now we find ourselves in a very tight market after about a year's worth of time being in complete glut. Um, And now the Saudis find themselves having to race forward uh, several hundred thousand more barrels, maybe upwards of a million more barrels, in order to try to keep the price rise at bay. Well, President Trump's tweeted several times now that he wants low oil prices, prodding OPEC countries to ramp up exports. Uh, At the same time, Trump wants countries around the world to stop buying Iranian crude oil. I mean, is this all rather sudden? Can these two work in absolute direct comparison side by side? Given the situation that we're in right now, it's it's, it's hard to square uh, the two positions. Uh, there has just been too much of a production loss in Venezuela, uh, upwards of a million and a half barrels a day. Uh, global growth uh, has been fantastic over the past year and a half, and that has translated into uh, record global energy demand, crude oil demand, uh, pushing on 99 million barrels a day. So even with the uh, strong rise in uh, U.S. production, the, the number of barrels being produced just don't add up to be enough, really, to satisfy the situation right now. And things could get extraordinarily tight if the administration is successful, which it appears to be, uh, in removing these Iranian barrels from the market. Uh, we're easily looking at uh, U.S. oil prices going upwards of 85 uh, to $100 a barrel if they are successful in foreclosing Iranian oil sales. Yeah, Iran's oil minister accused Trump of insulting OPEC by ordering the group of countries to increase production. Um, adding Iranian oil production and exports haven't changed as a result of U.S. pressure. Is, is that just kind of some bold talk at this point? Uh, most certainly is. Uh, the, actually, the, the hyperbolic uh, uh, rhetoric around this whole situation I find most unfortunate on, on all sides. But uh, the bigger problem you have here is that it, things may not have changed yet, but they are in the process of changing. Uh, two of the world's largest uh, shipping concerns said that they will, they're going to stop uh, shipping Iranian goods uh, starting almost immediately. Uh, South Korean interests, as you just mentioned, are in the process of getting themselves weaned off of um, the uh, Iranian supplies already. The Indian Central Bank said it won't process payments. Uh, 
this is happening because none of the multinational oil companies want to risk their relationship with the U.S., the U.S. banking system, and that's exactly what these uh, sanctions target. So Iran is just too small of a fish and too small of a player uh, in this situation to be able to effectively fight against uh, this tariff that the Trump administration is going for. Yeah, that mood continues to build. In the last few hours, we've seen Dutch airline KLM saying it will stop flights to Tehran because of the financial outlook. And that that will just breed the sentiment even further among other corporations, presumably. No doubt. Nobody wants to take the chance. Nobody's going to want to touch Iran with a 10-foot pole on really anything. This is a much severe position than the Obama administration took. Uh, the, the, I believe that the Trump administration is really, the end game is really one of regime change and economic strangulation of Iran to try to get something, uh, a, a, new, a new leadership there at, the, at some point. Well, certainly pushing to breaking point, but that can be dangerous, can't it? Um, and, 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 and that perhaps takes us into an area of political analysis that we'll continue to look at in the coming days. But from a South Korean perspective, there had been reports South Korea had already suspended Iranian oil imports. But that was then denied over the weekend by the South Korean embassy in Tehran. It's, so it's a bit unclear at this point. What would be the implications if, if this proves to be true? Well, South Korea most certainly wants to keep buying Iranian oil. They don't want to be the first ones to stop. I guess they don't want to be the last ones either, but um, they don't want to burn their bridge with Iran, as you mentioned as well. The, the, Iran has historically been a top supplier of crude oil uh, to South Korea, uh, China, and India, and Japan for that matter. So this is an important relationship. Uh, the South Koreans are also trying to uh, get waivers from these sanctions. Uh, I can almost guarantee that there will be no sanctions uh, waivers issued by this administration. They are just not of that ilk. Again, this is a much more severe position being taken than the previous administration took. Right. I was going to ask you how likely it is that Seoul might be able to uh, again negotiate a waiver, but uh, that seems like a non-starter. What are our other alternatives here, being the world's fifth largest crude oil importer? Well, certainly um, there's been an increasing amount of U.S. crude oil exports. Uh, China has stepped up. Uh, The U.S. is in the process of really ramping up its export capabilities, so South Korea can turn to the U.S. South Korea can also try to help uh, Brazil really continue its oil recovery and buy more of its oil, Mexico too. Uh, But beyond that, things start to get tight, and the list of uh, ready supplies is short. Saudi Arabia is going to uh, be pushing itself to the brink production-wise. And actually, I'm nervous that they could push things too hard and they could do potentially damage uh, to some of their fields. That's another thing that uh, a lot of us in the market are watching out for. This is going to put a a stress on the Saudi production capacity like we've never seen before. So there is a lot of of issues surrounding uh, these potential lost Iranian barrels. And for all of us... How soon before we're really feeling the effect when we go to fill up our cars, for example? We're all already starting to now. A multi-year high for crude oil for both Brent and WTI. It's only going to continue. It's only going to get worse. These markets are... So uh, bad stuff that's going to hit the market supply-wise tomorrow, weeks and months ahead, start to get priced in now. And that's what you're starting to see already. So um, it's going to be a long, hot uh, summer uh, in the U.S. and around the world in the Northern Hemisphere. 
uh, in terms of gasoline prices for sure. And hopefully it won't turn into an economic shock uh, for the world and, and the industrialized economies, but that also has to be a concern because the last several recessions were preceded by a spike higher in oil prices. And this comes at the same time as the global trade war between the U.S. and uh, China kicking off. It would appear that that's going to put also a lot of pressure on, on U.S. prices. Is this a race for President Trump to, to get this political victory before the people start, um, well, maybe not rising up in the U.S., but certainly expressing their grave disappointment? Nothing hits consumer confidence in the U.S. like rising gasoline prices. And and President Trump is obviously keenly aware of that, which is why he's positioning himself uh, ahead of the curve here in terms of the looming price rise that's coming. Interestingly, uh, the the global trade war, to the extent it really gets significant or severe, uh, would would obviously have a diminishing effect on global economic activity, which would be a, a lowering of energy demand. So that could be something of an offset, but it's certainly not the, the, the way you want to get to lower prices, not by a long shot. No. Uh, what's your outlook then for the coming months? Just this situation? Can you see anything breaking or changing uh, towards the end of the year or, or early next? I think we're on a steady climb higher to, uh, to this 85 to 100 until something happens uh, with Iran. There's Iran. Now there's an interesting meeting with uh, President Trump and President Putin uh, on the 16th. Maybe there's a, a way to, to, to barter or broker some kind of deal uh, with Iran outside of the JCPOA or the nuclear deal uh, that gets Iran out from under some of these sanctions. That would be the wild card that President Putin can somehow negotiate something on Iran's behalf. So we'll have to watch for that. But other than that, it's uh, the showdown is on and we're going to climb steadily higher and higher and inventories and supplies globally are going to get tighter and tighter and tighter, almost to the point of shortage potentially in certain regions. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on the line with us, Mr. Kilduff. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on with you in South Korea.